Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, the madness of March is finally upon us. It is March 12th, but now March really gets underway and does so for the region. After a year of being shut out throughout the Pittsburgh sports region and the Sports Now Network, which extends, of course, to our coverage of Pitt, West Virginia, Penn State, and even some smaller schools within the region. This year, you get the three big dogs as part of the NCAA tournament. I'm Mike Osti, and I'm going to be joined by several of our writers throughout the Sports Now Network. First, Jordan Michalowski here of Pittsburgh Sports Now, who covers Pitt. Ethan Bach and Joe Smeltzer will also join me to talk West Virginia and Penn State. And for any of you fans, of course, who are tuning in because you only care about one of those teams and not the others, I will clip a highlight show that will just give you what you want after this is over as well for your digestion of just your team. But bearing with us regardless, we're going to go through the docket here. Pitt gets in the first four, Mississippi State, that team in Dayton first before getting into the real field. West Virginia has a, depending on whether you call it a rivalry or not, they have a quasi-rivalry game with Maryland. They met them not long ago, not too long ago, but we'll meet them in that 8-9 matchup in Birmingham. And then in Des Moines, you have Penn State facing Texas A&M in a 10-7. So, George, to get things started, Pitt had a season, and we've talked about this now for years, that entering the season, people thought, okay, NIT, and that's probably smooth sailing. That's probably positive. That means Capel's staying. But then as the season unraveled, and whether you believe the ACC is down or not, Pitt was picking up some victories, certainly once the calendar year switched over. And after Pitt kind of got over their non-conference sluggish start, which included a loss to West Virginia, Pitt then started clipping off some victories. They were contending in conference play, and many thought, forget NIT, it's NCAA tournament or bust right now. They looked locked in, but then they faded out of ACC contention. They obviously lost early on in the tournament, including that real bad one to Duke, who eventually went on to win the tournament. So maybe it doesn't sting as bad. And they kind of slid forcing themselves to have to be in this first four bracket, but it counts as a tournament bid. They have to win one more game, and you could even argue that it actually puts them in a situation that maybe is more favorable than being an 8-9, but what's the reaction now, because you were there at the Pete to absorb kind of the reaction of the team and the players and Capel, who's been there a while, and this is certainly his best accomplishment so far at Pitt. From the Panthers, from Nellie Cummings, from this team, from Capel. It's the first four, but it's the freaking NCAA tournament. The program hadn't been there since 2016. Nellie's done it before, but that's pretty much it for right now who, who's with the program. So what was their reaction to the news? Yeah, so they were definitely excited. Um, excited but hungry is how Jamarius Burton put it. You know, they um, obviously talked a little bit about, and Capel got into a little bit about their resume and how they – probably deserved a, a better seed than they got the, the first four treatment. Um, but, you know, they all kind of said, Capel said, Jamari said, Nelly said, everyone that, that got up there and spoke with us said, Hey, we're grateful to be in this opportunity. So many people out there, so many teams out there would be dying to, to be in this position. So they're excited about where they're at. There's, there's a lot of work to do. Obviously winning one game before having to um, go to that first round matchup is going to be tough. It's going to um, add a lot to, to this road ahead of Pitt. And especially because, this team's been banged up as of late. 
they haven't been playing their best basketball as of late. It's going to be a real challenge to, to try to win two games this week as opposed to one. Uh, but, you know, I think they're, they're very excited. You can tell Jeff Capel was, uh, you know, not, not only relieved, but um, just, just really happy for his group of guys, especially for those transfers that came in. They're, they're um, closing out their college careers in the tournament. It's, you can't ask for anything more for, for Greg Elliott, for Jamarius, for Nike, um, yeah. and for Nelly. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, not a storybook ending yet, I'd say, but it's, it's definitely a, a positive atmosphere here at Pitt right now. Let's be honest. And obviously they want to win and the path is there and they could, and it would count as a tournament win if you win the first four, even though you have to get in, in what many would still call the legit field after that. But this is an accomplishment in and of itself for Pitt. They do have reason to be proud just off of this accomplishment, even if they somehow would get blown out in the first four, which I don't think anyone expects. And this is a bridge. This is something regardless of what happens from here on out to talk about the future of the program. This is what Nelly Cummings wanted to do. He wanted to bring that experience, had it at Colgate and everybody else getting the taste of it for the first time. This is big by itself, but you did mention that there was a sigh of relief. And again, it's because they slid at the end of the year, lost Notre Dame, the way they lost to Duke, etc. After feeling like they kind of got it once they got ranked in that top 25, was there a sense of surprise that they were in the first four and not actually in what many would call a legit NCAA tournament? Was there more of a relief that they got in at all and that wasn't the focus? What kind of was the vibe on the surprise that, okay, it's first four, this is the matchup. Lenardi, for example, seemed to kind of project Pitt as a little bit more comfortable than the first four, even though it ends up being the first four and, and, and not – having to you know not in the field without having to mess with Dayton yeah I mean you obviously don't want to be in the first four it's not ideal for these guys but it didn't seem like they were surprised by it um, it seemed like everyone kind of knew I mean hey look you lose you, you lose three of four to close out the season you can't expect right. much more like yeah they got ranked they had a great resume a great body of work but started the season one and three they got over that hump and then they ended the season one and three so everyone you know Tamaris Burton, Nelly Cummings, <laughs> Jeff Cape, all just they all just talked right. about this. They're like, hey, we knew we didn't close out the way we wanted to. We knew Duke didn't go well at all. You know, it went very poorly. Uh, <laughs> right. But, yeah. you know, they, they did think like, hey, we're in this position now. It's anyone's game. Yeah. It's March. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to come down to, to having healthy bodies, being prepared and, uh, you know, just winning a game. You know, no one's going to be able to have an expert scouting report on their first opponent in the NCAA tournament. These teams are playing teams they've never even looked at before. So, um, you know, it's what eight o'clock right now, and uh, Capel and, and the, the players just said they're going to go get their first look at Mississippi State. So, um, it's it's going to be a quick turnaround, especially because they're they're heading out tomorrow. You know, it's one day, you know, one night after hearing about your opponent. Yeah, that's a difference. There's there's no rest. Right. Like, there's not like for teams that are playing Thursday, for example, like West Virginia, they could literally take tomorrow just off altogether have a travel day, then maybe have practice or team meeting, and then worry about the game. Yeah, Pitt has to really rush this thing. That is a difference right. as well. Definitely. And it's, I mean, it, it is, like you mentioned to me earlier, uh, you know, Dayton's close. It, it's not It's not the hardest trip in the world right. for, for anyone involved. But uh, at the same time, it's like, okay, you'd, you'd much rather have a few more days of rest. They did get bounced uh, yeah. earlier than they thought they would have from, from Greensboro, from the ACC tourney. So, uh, that's the one thing Burton said. He's like, well, we just got bounced way earlier than we anticipated from the ACC tournament. So we actually have been resting. So 
they've been going late on practices actually for pretty much this entire season. Um, they just have not had enough depth, obviously with John going out for the season, Will Jeffers going out for the season. It's, it's not been a ton of healthy bodies around here. So they've been going light in practice. Cable said they went light the last two days and tomorrow they're going to head out to, to, to Dayton and, and, and see where it takes them. Jordan Michalowski of Pittsburgh Sports Now. He's been covering the pit, this Pitt team, this Pitt men's basketball team for years now. And you get to, I'm imagining this is your first NCAA tournament in any capacity that you're covering? Second. Second. Okay. I was, uh, I was at the one last year in Pittsburgh, saw Houston, Loyola. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, when Pittsburgh was a host that he got you, yeah. I, I've done a bunch of them at all different levels and with different schools and throughout my media career. And it's it's just an experience. So, again, it's great. This team will get to experience it. You'll get to experience it. It isn't that bad of a drive going to date and you're basically driving straight for a couple hours. It actually is a better situation than the opponent. So that maybe right. is something to hang your hat on. They got to – they're not driving uh, by any means, or they're going to, you know, risk <laughs> having no break um, if they want to play the game. So, and obviously, who knows how Pitt's going to travel? But it's not far. It could have been worse. They did slide at the end of the year. At least they could feel better about Duke because Duke went on to win the conference tournament. So maybe that okay. Yeah, you got blown out to Duke, but it's behind us. And maybe they're, you know, Duke's better than people would have thought all year. And Duke's clicking at the best time, of course. And and honestly, George. If I would have told you before the season that Ugly, who many thought, okay, you pair Nelly with John Ugly, you pair Burton, et cetera, with John Ugly again, and that really could be a core. You have a big, a small point guard. You have a, a true team rebounding and shooting, et cetera. If I would have told you that he's really not going to contribute to this team in any capacity, and yet they're going to make the NCAA tournament, even if it's the first four, I'm sure you, Capel, everybody, whether it's – they're going to admit it publicly or just secretly yeah. they would have taken it all day no matter how they got there a hundred percent i mean it's it's pretty incredible to think about because i think a lot of it boils down to federico um obviously he hasn't been an yeah. offensive star he's not <laughs> the guy that's going to win you a game necessarily you can't you know teams would would be fine if he gets 15 points and, and Pitt loses like they, they, they were fine he's not going to throw 30 on you let's just say that so it's really interesting because we knew we knew nothing about him, about Pitt's depth down low or anything aside from Hughley going into the season because Federico's a JUCO kid. Even the JUCO guys I talked to when he committed to Pitt were like, yeah, he's raw. I mean, it'll take him a few years to, to really get there and, and contribute there, but it's gotten to the point where he's filled in that spot really nicely and he's given Pitt the ability to play fast and play through their guards, you know, he gets out in transition. He runs ahead of everyone else on that court. And the amount of times we've seen Nelly Cummings, you know, throw a pocket pass in there, throw a lob to him. Um, it, it's been incredible to see the development of him. So, yeah, you know, if you told me before the season that without Hughley they would make it, I would call you crazy. I mean, we just didn't know anything. We didn't know anything about this team other than Hughley and other than that they'd be mature and old. And they've been one of those things. They haven't had John. So um, it's all worked out well. Federico has been a big part. The guards have been a big part. Um, you know, it's it's really all worked out well for Pitt. I think they're all ecstatic to even be yeah. in the conversation this week, you know, not not be done with the season to, to have a shot to make a run here. Yeah, I, I think to say the very, very least, uh, Mississippi State, though, is the opponent in that first four before Pitt could advance. And as I said earlier, potentially a better situation than arguably being an 8-9 once you get out of the first four, although that's easier said than done, just because an 8-9 winner is going to face a one seed. Mississippi State, though, 
imagining a team Pitt fans aren't that familiar. And obviously, Capel and this team probably aren't that familiar. They got to learn it, and they got a right. day and a half really to do so at best. But what can you tell me right now about Mississippi State? What do you expect out of this matchup? What does Pitt maybe need to do in particular in this matchup, either because of the matchup or because of Pitt themselves to get out of this thing and, and claim a tournament win? Right. So Pitt, since the Virginia Tech loss, hasn't looked the same offensively or defensively. Um, they, offensively, they, they've you know won games all year long with the three ball, with playing fast and really being an offensive power team and being a threat. Virginia Tech took away the three-point line from Pitt, and they looked lost. You know, that, that game, Virginia Tech clearly looked like the better team uh, than Pitt did, and since then, Pitt's really struggled to, to find a balance between, okay, we can make threes, we know we can make threes, but we can't get shots up from that, you know, part of the court, um, as well as, okay, do we want to play inside with Burton and Federico and, and right. you know, Hinson scoring on the inside? It's, it's really been all kind of jumbled up recently, so – that's going to be a key for Pitt um, on the Mississippi State side. Obviously, we just were tasked with uh, with scouting them as, as well as the Pitt staff and everyone involved. So um, Tolu Smith, their leading scorer, 6'11", 245 pounds. He's going to be a handful down low for Pitt. I mean, they just do not have much depth down low. Um, as much as we praised Federico earlier on in the show, it's really tough for them because, you know, behind Federico, it's the Diaz-Graham twins. And, and those guys are – not very strong yet. I mean, they're early in their career, so they're going to have their hands full with a, a, the plus rebounder, a plus score down low. Um, they've got some good Mississippi State's got some good transfer guards and, and wings as well. DJ Jeffrey, Shaquille Moore, uh, but you know they're they're really not a good three point shooting team. They shoot twenty six percent from beyond the arc as a team, so they're not really going to pose a huge threat to Pitt offensively. You know, I, I think. This is a game, at least when you play a team that averages 65 points a game, you know, that's 10 less than Pitt per game. When you play a team like that, like Pitt has room for for errors. You know, they have room for mistakes. They have room to come back and they have room to, to you know, pounce on a team like that. So um, should be an interesting matchup for Pitt. But uh, I'm looking forward to the matchup down low, seeing how Federico fares, especially because Cable said he was a little banged up the other day last week. Um, so should be a good one. Yeah, it should be a good one. Now, I think I saw it pit two and a half point favor. Is that right? I looked at that. Quick. I did not see it. I did not see a spread yet. Okay. Yeah, I thought I saw one. I saw I saw one real quick, but that that maybe not. But again, talking to Jordan Mikulowski or Pittsburgh Sports. Now, Pitt does make the NCAA tournament first time since 2016. Again, it's been a while, especially with what the Pitt program established prior to that and the run with Ben Howell and Jamie Dixon. It, it, it's been a tough road for Pitt fans. So again, first four. But a favorable matchup in the first four, it certainly sounds like. If you get out of the first four, I'll kind of close up shop on our pit talk kind of with this. If you get out of the first four, as I mentioned, there's a glass half full take that exists of having to be in the first four, even though it's kind of insulting in general, because yet counts as an NCAA tournament win and getting in. You could put it on a banner if you want, but you'd rather obviously be in the field and get a seed line than this. It does kind of have the committee tell you and your fans and your program that you're in, but if we were doing it years ago or if we had, you know, you're, you're barely in and we need to kind of see more from you to really feel you have a right for a championship run. So you're in this first four, but if you get out of it, then you're right with everybody else just on a little bit less rest and, and then it all fares up again and maybe you're actually in a better situation because you avoid the one seed. So if Pitt would win against Mississippi State and get out of the first four, 
What are your thoughts on the rest of the path potentially for the Panthers? And upsets can always happen, but knowing this pit team, knowing how they're playing now and how they're built, can they actually make a run through March? There have been first four teams before that have made runs through March outside of just the first four. So this is not impossible. In fact, it's happened frequently and it might be insulting now, but once you get out of that game, you might actually be in a better situation than teams that actually got in and voiding the first four. Right. I mean, I think there's definitely possible for them to make a run. Um, Iowa State would be next if we're going to look ahead. Um, people were asking asking Blake Hinton, former Ohio, Iowa State player, um, you know, what his thoughts were about a potential matchup between the two. He was like, I'm focused <laughs> on I'm focused on Mississippi right. State, man. Come on. So right. um, it, it is easy to look ahead, though. So, you know, you, you obviously look at the bracket. Iowa State would be next. Uh, down in Greensboro, again, they'd be back there. Um, probably staying in the same hotel. I guess that could add some comfort for you. Right. Um, I think they I think they match up all right against Iowa State. Don't know too much about the Cyclones there. Um, I know they just lost Caleb Grill, um, left the team. So uh, Xavier would be next, most likely, unless Kennesaw State, you know, keeps the magic rolling. Um, Penn State, Texas, Colgate, all those teams are, are in the in the region. Penn State, Pitt, potential oh, yeah. Elite Eight matchup. Would be, <laughs> that would be pretty would be cool. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, right. that would be interesting, yeah. but. Overall, I mean, I think you look at the the Midwest, and obviously Houston's in there, Auburn, uh, Miami's up there, um, Indiana has got a tough matchup with Drake. But you look at the bracket that Pitt's in, and it's not – I don't think anyone's reaction is like, okay, no way they're going to win more than one game. No way they're right. going to win more than one game out of the first four. So I think they've got a shot to make a run. Um, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, all comes down to – um, the first four, uh, and we'll see on uh, on Tuesday here. Yeah, and you imagine they're probably not going to be favored in any more games outside of the first four, but Iowa State, I think, potentially could be a favorable matchup for Pitt. I'll just say that's a situation that Pitt can pull from a familiar opponent. It, it's been a while, but they played West Virginia, who obviously is familiar with Iowa State in the Big 12, and anyone around Pitt, because this has been talked about all year, that felt like maybe they were getting snubbed with NAT rankings and computer rankings because – it's not their fault. The ACC doesn't have North Carolina like it normally does, and Duke was sluggish earlier in the season, etc. ACC felt they were disrespected this year, and the Big 12 got all the love and all the teams in the tournament and all the rankings, and it's a tougher schedule. I think it was, but if they don't agree, they can kind of prove the point because they're going to play a Big 12 team, and it's going to be Iowa State, who West Virginia did beat, but they lost to West Virginia and say they're much better than they than they were earlier in the season. If they go there and beat Iowa State, they're kind of proving a lot of what they were saying. If they go out there and get killed by Iowa State, maybe they didn't prove what they were saying, and that was right. So this actually, if you're a Pitt fan, and if you're a Pitt player and a coach, you got to be excited. You don't want to be in the first four, but you avoid the one seed. You get a chance to kind of talk some smack and prove what you were saying all year if you beat a Big 12 team. And then after that, it is house money from then on. So, uh, yeah, so Pitt gets in its first four. They then have a chance at a Big 12 team afterwards, and then who knows from there, Jordan Mikulowski. Appreciate the time, man. We'll, we'll have him as well as the rest of our crew back on the end of this show to kind of give some picks. Uh, you'll get another 20 minutes or so to look at your bracket there. Obviously, these teams are still trying to digest what's happened, but first time since 2016, it's the first four. It's not that far of a drive. Not much to complain about if you're a Pitt fan right now. Looking forward to it, Mike. I'll be back on shortly. Absolutely. Again, Jordan Mikulowski of Pittsburgh Sports Now, and that will allow me to segue again. Pitt able to potentially meet a team out of the Big 12 that 
this man's team, the team that he covered, Ethan Bach of WV Sports now. He covered the Mountaineers, of course. Very familiar with Iowa State and the Big 12. And Ethan, West Virginia, they missed the tournament last year. We both know, God, that was an awful season. And they turn the roster around. They flip the roster. They get in the NCAA tournament this year. It was after a real hot start and out of conference play. Many thought, okay, they could even be a top four seed, one either a one, two, three, or even a four seed. If you're really getting crazy the way they played, they start horrendous in conference play. And then people thinking, okay, they're going to miss it all again. And it's just going to be again down the drain. But unlike what happened with Pitt, West Virginia really turned it on at the end of the season. They played their way to really off the bubble because they were on the bubble most of 2023 and to get legitimately in the NCAA tournament. They have that 8-9 matchup with Maryland, who, again, some could argue is a rivalry game, which adds some excitement there. It's in Birmingham. They have the chance at Alabama, who's a one. It won't be easy, but many think that could be a favorable matchup. So just what's your first reaction to West Virginia's seed, seed line, the matchup with Maryland, the situation, putting in perspective with this year? We'll unpack all of it, but... Is this what you thought would happen? Is that how you kind of read the program on is this what they thought would happen? And does it kind of make sense with what's going on in college basketball that it's 8-9 matchup, West Virginia gets in, they're a 9, they face Maryland, and it's in Birmingham? Yeah, uh, earlier today I predicted a 9 seed in Birmingham. I got the 1 seed wrong, but uh, I think Alabama Alabama is the number one overall seed. They deserve it. They've, they've yeah. played, they played their way through adversity this year. Um, I do think they're a little wishy-washy at times, like like a 24-point loss to Oklahoma or almost losing to Auburn at home. Like right. they have they have games where they don't show up. So I think if they don't show up against either Maryland or West Virginia, that that eight nine could advance to the Sweet 16. As far as Maryland goes, I they're a very similar team to West Virginia in the Big Ten. Not good on the road, but they're but they're able to get it done and. They have a they have a good schedule in the Big Ten as well. So, as far as the rest of the region goes, I think I think West Virginia has the hardest region out of the four, between the between like Baylor is a three seed, and then you have San Diego State as a five seed, Creighton as a six seed, who is a top preseason top ten team in the country, Missouri, who has looked like a top twenty team at times, is number seven. Right. Arizona is a two seed. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no bad teams. There's a lot of inconsistent teams in their region, but if every single team in that in that region is playing their best basketball, they're really good. Like, and obviously, like every team in March Madness is good. Right, like, that's the reason why they make it. But um, there's a lot of teams in West Virginia's region that they 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 can be a Final Four contender. Yeah, and let's just get this out of the way then too, because. Let's face it, a lot of the time when West Virginia does make the tournament, a lot of the fans feel like they're getting jobbed out of where they're placed. A lot of times they have to go out west and they avoid Sacramento, which is nice, I guess, because that was where they were placed a few weeks ago on some projections. You just kind of alluded to number one overall seed is there, despite they are a hot and cold team in a way. They absolutely deserve the seed line for the overall body of work, but we don't even have to go to on or off the court because they're going to have a lot of drama and media attention and questions about off the court things that maybe they weren't getting from some of those members of media. Now they're going to get national attention in the tournament. So Alabama has a lot to worry about that maybe West Virginia doesn't have, and maybe they're going to have the fans on this side, but just looking at the overall thing there that you alluded to, 
they get in as a nine. They don't have to worry about the bubble. They don't have to worry about the first four, which they wanted to avoid. It is a favorable first round game to lock up a tournament win, which is certainly big for the program. And even getting there is big. They might have a favorable matchup with Bama, but it feels like they got put in the toughest bracket. It feels like that despite being off the bubble, the message was kind of sent that, okay, you're off the bubble, but we're not trying to do you any favors to get you to a final four here. You, you got in, but you know, this is the toughest. So we're kind of saying that maybe you're the worst of the nine seeds, any legitimacy that West Virginia, because they were in the toughest conference in the country. They played so well at the end of the year, they do a four top 15 victory, despite, you know, some, some rough games as well. Did they get jobbed here at all? Like, sh should they have maybe been in another situation? Is there any gripe? that any fans could have with this placement based on their computer rankings, their net rankings, because all of those are really, really good, but they kind of are slotted in as maybe the lowest of the nines. It looks no, like. I, I, I don't think West Virginia fans should be mad at all about the, about this line. Uh, I, I would even argue the committee favored them in a way. I mean, they, okay. they have 14 losses. Like, Yeah, 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 fair. Iowa State made the tournament – with seven conference wins last year as an 11 seed. So, I mean, I think it's pretty fair. Um, I think what, I think players, coaches, and fans of this program would all agree though, that they would want that 10 seed. It's just a more favorable seed line. But yeah. as far as the nine goes, I, I think, I think the committee actually gave them a favor, especially playing in Alabama, not in California. Yeah, location-wise, it's a benefit, even though you have the number one overall. Like, regardless of where you're ranked, because if you if you have the number one overall, you feel like you're the lowest of the nines. But they did them geographically. It's better. It's better than past years when they put it been put in the tournament. And yeah, you could argue the ten seed. You you could even argue, as I talked with George, that if you get out of the first four, then maybe that's actually a favorable situation. Because then again, you avoid the one. West Virginia won't avoid the one, but it's a favorable matchup with the one that's going to have a lot of drama to be dealing with off the court as well once they get with that limelight of the NCAA tournament. Ethan Bach of WV Sports Now. The Mountaineers do get in the NCAA tournament this year. They skip a year but get back in, and this is after flipping the roster, and they do it. They'll have a matchup with Maryland ahead. But just overall putting this season in perspective now, Ethan, what does getting in the NCAA tournament mean for the future of this program they're going to have to turn over the roster again eric stevenson the fifth year he finally gets in a tournament he missed a chance with wichita screwed by covid really so he gets one before his college career is over he'll be gone though regardless of the result they're gonna to have to flip the roster again they were so so bad last year a lot of work to get him here this year it's one of the better turnarounds in the entire country even though it's not really talked about or given respect for that program wise history though you got Jerry West. You got obviously Huggins. You got a lineage of a couple Final Fours. They're claiming the nine, 1941 national title nowadays. Sweet 16, the lead age, especially in this century. A lot of deep runs and NBA players. The fan base is not going to accept just getting in and then losing big and saying that's it for a good year. But in reality, what does getting in mean for this program? I think for this program, the standards never just get to the tournament. Right. It's it has the history that they that the standard could be Sweet 16, Elite Eight, but at the same time, like the fans have to realize, look at what this team had at this point last year. Last year, this team got back from Kansas City. They declined a CBI, CBI invite, yeah, and then everybody left. They had Katie Johnson and they had four undeveloped freshmen. Like that's it. And this coaching staff was able to pretty much build on that. 
through the transfer portal, got a couple JUCOs, and it and it just proved that this this coaching staff can recruit through the transfer portal. Everybody gave Hugs crap for not being able to recruit in the transfer portal when it first started, and him and his staff last season, their last off season, they went out, got four quality transfers, and look at them now, they're in the tournament. So I think it's a success on the year. Like it's something that they can build on. I think it's it's tougher in this era of college basketball to where you can build on your current team. Right. Yeah. At least they know a formula to return to the tournament. They know how to do it. Yeah. I also think because a lot was made about Huggins as a Hall of Famer, we all get it, but they had three out of four Sweet 16 runs that ended in 2018. They had the tournament a couple years ago. Obviously, COVID disrupted the one prior. They did win a tournament game that was Huggins 900th, and then you lose to Syracuse and old rivals. So that season kind of ended on a whimper, but you get in. Last year was so, so bad. And and some are saying, you know, should Huggins, you know, retire? Those conversations started happening this year, especially once you start 0 for 5 in conference play. And then people legitimately brought up that certainly in the last few years, the road record in the Big 12 was pedestrian at best. They didn't win any last year. You, you get some this year. So you get some road wins. The road overall records, the, the, the conference overall record's not good. The road overall record's not good. And your quad one overall record's not good. But as we've been bringing up all year, that's a lot of quad one games, a lot of quad one wins, even though your overall record's not good. And you're in the toughest conference in the country that's tougher than people he maybe even thought. Back-to-back defending national champs come out of the Big 12 last couple years and could again so with all of that said getting in the tournament does seem like a really really big deal but yeah you do look at the history of the program you even look at Huggins resume you know getting in in is not enough and you are turning it over again but putting it into perspective this is something to say the least Ethan Bach WV Sports now the Mountaineers do get in they do get in the NCAA tournament another tournament berth what 33rd just off the top of my head I believe for the program in their history something like that um but they get in another one for hug certainly they got a coach who's been there and done it before even though this team is not experienced you're looking at Maryland though and somebody did bring up in the chat as we we're talking about you know respect of where they got placed or lack of respect of where they got placed, maybe a quote unquote rivalry game for some, but not for these players. And then overall one, okay. I could kind of see that being rough, but you know, not for these players in terms of the Maryland game. So out of what you know about Maryland right now, and as you mentioned, a similar season to West Virginia won a little bit more most of the year, but they were in a little bit less of a conference, big 10 still tough play they were hot and cold a lot throughout their season. They thought it was locked up. Then they got themselves on the bubble. They're probably a little disappointed about fading a little bit down the stretch. But what do you know about Maryland? What do you expect out of this matchup? And what do the Mountaineers need to do to get out of this Maryland game and then really probably be playing with house money once you claim that tournament win? You know, the Mountaineers for sure have to They have to key on uh, Jameer Young. He's their leading scorer, 16 points per game. A six-two guard, so I'm sure KD Johnson will be on him. Um, Maryland's not that good of an offensive team. They're more obviously under Kevin Willard. They're going to be a defensive-minded group. Um, so it's going to be interesting for West Virginia because they're pretty much the opposite. They're a pretty solid offensive team. They're really elite at getting to the foul line, driving. Um, but their defense, at least as of late, has been kind of 
Yeah, it's a little questionable when when you can <laughs> when you consider allowing 50 points in the paint still. So uh, it's it's, it's going to be interesting. I think West Virginia's offense, they're just going to have to do what they've been doing the last two weeks, driving, getting to the line, um, just playing small. They need to play small, stretch the floor, be able to spread everybody out so then you can let Keaty Johnson, Joe Toussaint, Eric Stevenson, et cetera, drive into the lane and just create open looks. So that that's my key for West Virginia getting out of this Maryland matchup. Now you talk with Huggins prior to jumping here aboard our live reaction show for the sports now network. What did Huggins have to say? I know obviously he's not digested and, and dissected Maryland yet. I did see the comment of uh, I'll get to it tomorrow. So apparently not even tonight, like some coaches have said, um, but they deserve some a, a bit of a break here and wiping sweat off their brow. So what did Huggins say about, Getting in the NCAA tournament, I'd imagine, and I know he's not going to say this yet, a bit of validation for him probably to, to stick around a little bit longer and his legacy gets in the Hall of Fame. But it was off a year that just was arguably the worst of his whole career and embarrassing for him, I'm sure. And then to turn it around, go into the transfer portal, which he admitted he was resistant to a couple years ago, and get this team in the tournament off the toughest conference in the country, one of the tougher schedules, wasn't a perfect year unlikely to be hoisting a trophy as a national champion or getting to another final four, but where they stand, that's something for Huggins. So what, what, what was his mood? What did he say after finally learning the fate NCAA tournament birth, Maryland matchup, number one, overall seed in your region. You're a nine. Yeah, it, was, it was usual hugs, like nonchalantly yeah. excited in a way. Um, I mean, he, he one thing that stuck out to me was that he talked about how people wrote this team off. Like he, he pulled out an inner inner Geno Smith and <laughs> mentioned that mentioned he's that not, he's not gonna write back though. Yeah. yeah. So and that's something that's something I really haven't heard much from Bob this season is yeah, just like reflecting on the outside noise on this team and bringing bringing up that people wrote off in this team is true. This this group was 0-5 to start Big 12 play, lost many winnable games, and then they end up firing a longtime assistant in Larry Harrison. So a lot of a lot of people questioned this program in January, and they were able to get it together and finish strong and and uh, and make the tournament as a nine seed, which yeah. people would not have thought back in January. I mean, prior to the recent run. And winning three out of four, including a Kansas game, which was the only loss at the end of the regular season where they were a dribble away there at the end of the game. And, yeah, they bungled that possession, but they had a chance to tie Kansas or even beat Kansas on the road, which Kansas might be a team that wins the national title again this year with how good they are and what they're dealing with. Outside of that, they won every other game the final week and a half of the regular season. You go in the conference tournament, they do get one, you lose to Kansas again, which, okay, I think it's clear they're not as good as Kansas, but but who is? They're number three in the country when they played. So they did what they had to do, but prior to that, people may forget, if you're not a West Virginia fan, they were definitely on the bubble. And I wrote about it and talked about it, that after losing to Texas Tech right before that run, it looked like they might not get in at all or be in the first four. And that would have been maybe the committee doing them a favor. So to get in, they had to do some work. And again, this is an accomplishment by itself, even though this is an historic program that has tasted a lot more success throughout its history, and this isn't good enough. But after last year, this team hadn't gelled, and what did occur, opening conference play and then 
messing yourself up with the Texas Tech bad loss that almost put you off the bubble in a negative way, this is something <laughs> to, to get there. So it's nice to see Huggins also giving a vibe that this team may play with West Virginia against the world. And, and when they have that mentality and they have the swag back and Eric Stevenson is playing and he's talking and he's jawing and he, he's playing with that swag that he's played more with the last two weeks than he even was prior in the season and, and more mentally strong too now, that's the recipe for West Virginia to win and, and to make a run. Now, before I bring on Joe Smelter here to talk some Penn State with Net- Nittany Sports Now and then get the guys back here to wrap up our live reaction show, as we get the region in, we get our Sports Now network in, pit in the first four. It's officially in, even though it's the first four. West Virginia has a nine against Maryland in Birmingham, and then Penn State does get in. Their first term in birth in a while as well. Like the West Virginia skips one year, though. So last year, nothing. We get them all three in this year. Penn State will face Texas A&M in Des Moines, Iowa. And we'll talk to Joe Smelter here in a matter of moments as well. But, Ethan, outside of this first matchup with Maryland, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. What's the path like for the Mountaineers? What do you see maybe out of that Alabama matchup? And, of course, we'll talk about it a lot more if West Virginia does beat Maryland. After that, what could be a possibility for the Mountaineers and what do they need to do to make a run? Like it, what's the ceiling here? What's a re- realistic look here? Cause it is all about matchups in March, regardless of what happened before. How, how are they built? Even how this team is built guard play usually does it. Now they're forced to go smaller. Are they now actually built to, to go on a run regardless of who they play? I think this team's built to go on a run. If you look, if you look at the history of March madness, it favors teams that have a lot of guards that can score. And this West Virginia team has three guards that score over 10 points per game. They also have Trey Mitchell and Emmett Matthews who do the same. So, I mean, like I said, I've, I've alluded to it the last couple of weeks. If this team plays small and they play fast, they can go on a run. Um, I really do like the Maryland matchup. I even like the Alabama matchup. So my okay. ceiling is a sweet 16. Um, do I think they'll make the Sweet 16? Probably not. I, th- I think they would lose to Alabama in the second round if I had to guess. Um, but I really like that first round for against Maryland. It's 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 just based off of how they're playing recently. They're two losses in the last two and a half weeks are to Kansas. They're playing better than Maryland, too. I'll say that because yeah. I, I closely kind of follow Maryland just because my best friend covered the team. They, they, they are playing better than Maryland. Right, right now, right now, 100%. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not two and a two and a half, three weeks ago, but they're playing better in Maryland right now. So yeah, definitely not two or three weeks ago, but right now they definitely are. Yeah. So that's, but I think, I think West Virginia, I really think West Virginia can, can build momentum. And honestly, honestly, if they, if they win, I've said, I said this to you, Mike, a couple weeks ago, if they can, yeah. they can win a game or two in the tournament that Eric Stevenson would be like that national, that yeah. national storyline. Um, if he has a famous quote or if he has a 30 point <laughs> performance that yeah. Eric Stevenson's going to be that he's going to be the poster child for one of those March madness runs this year. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he shows up with like an NWO to NWO t-shirt on or a West Virginia against the world t-shirt on or something wild. I mean, this is his moment. I feel like he, I'm not going to say he doesn't want to win as a team, but honestly being around him, I think you would agree. I feel like he, and it's fine to be selfish in a way. I think he kind of wants this moment for himself as much as the team and also to kind of promote his personality. Like, oh, he, deserve, he deserves the moment. He deserves Right. Like, he's going to wear a T-shirt. He's going to say something. If they happen to go to the Sweet 16, he's going to give you a Juwan Howard, we shocked the world quote. It's going to happen. 
And if that happens, then I don't think anyone's going to be mad about it. They just got to make sure. And if they don't go far or if there is any issue, because I know the naysayers and he does have his critics because of what happened earlier in the year, which he put it on himself. But he needs it's his first tournament. Despite a 50 year senior, he's had he has he'll admit this blown a game earlier in this year to put him on the bubble at the time for how he mentally unraveled. He needs to play composed. Because if he gets too excited with worrying about his personality and getting in foul trouble, et cetera, it, it, that is what could have West Virginia lose to Maryland, have this go off the rails, not have it be a run that anyone remembers, and kind of ruin the the notoriety of at least getting in and kind of stain this. But Ethan Bach of WV Sports Now, hang out, man. I'm going to get Joe Smelcher on now of Nittany Sports Now to talk some Penn State as the Nittany Lions do make the NCAA tournament – I don't know if anyone thought this was the case. Certainly casual fans probably wouldn't have thought this was the case before the season. Penn State not only makes the NCAA tournament, but on the same day as his live reaction show for the SportsNow Network, they almost win the Big Ten tournament. What that would have been if that could have happened and for this program and for the coaching staff, which they built up in, in only a couple of years now. Again, Joe Smeltzer of NSN. So... I got to ask you this because this is really a question for Penn State and that program. And I will slide you back on there. I see your connection has fixed itself. So, again, Joe, welcome back to the show. What significance does this have, though, for the Penn State program? They're in the 710. They're facing Texas A&M. It's going to be in Des Moines. I mean, you can say what you want about the bracket and the matchup, and they almost won the Big Ten tournament, et cetera. They lose by two. That might be a sour taste. But you get in the NCAA tournament. This isn't a program that's used to being there. I mean, a lot of Penn State fans who follow the football program, let's face it, they pick another basketball team because the basketball program used to be irrelevant. They're now in the field. They're in the NCAA tournament. They almost won the Big Ten. They're red hot right now. What's the significance for this program moving forward to even just get in? Uh, first off, thanks for having me, Mike. Um, I kind of I was in on my phone and then I got my computer figured out, so I kind of pulled it. You're good. This is better. Second. We got but, more. Uh, yeah, here. You're good. Yeah, it's uh, it's huge. Um, this doesn't happen often at Penn State, right? You look at since they've been in the Big Ten, they got in in '96, got in in 2001, got in in 2011, and only in one of those years did they win a single tournament game. Their last tournament win was back in yeah. 2001, and I don't think that's really talked about enough. You talk about they haven't made the tournament since 2011. They haven't won a tournament game since 2001, so that's even a longer drought. But it's just absolutely huge, and I think the way they did it, you know, uh, going back only two weeks ago, blowing that 19-point lead at Rutgers, it looked like the team was dead in the water as far as March Madness went. Going back before that, they lost free straight and were 5-9 and nine in the conference, weren't even on Joe Lenardi's radar at all as far as bracketology, and not just Lenardi, any other bracketologist. But for them right. to win games in dramatic fashion, you had the two regular season wins at Northwestern against Maryland, um, and then winning the three Big Ten tournament games, all of which were very close coming down to the wire. Uh, just an absolutely fantastic time to be um, a Penn State basketball fan. But uh, the good times are not really uh, subdued, I would say, but definitely um, the fact that the rumors circulating of Micah Shrewsbury's departure and if he'll go, if he'll stay, um, that's really just a trade-off to when a school that doesn't have the basketball prominence that Penn State does gets a good coach mm -hmm. and starts to win. So. Yeah, again, if you build up a football program that really hadn't cared about basketball and has almost no basketball history of note, 
into a legitimate tournament team that almost wins the Big Ten tournament. We're not talking a bad conference here either. It's a major conference that has teams this year. It's done well this year. They almost won it. So if that happens, yeah, you're going to be attractive to other programs. I know Georgetown was brought up, other programs that have a lot more history that are looking to rebuild and that are worse off than you. That's just going to be the case. But in the here and now, you're a Penn State fan. You're not going to trade the season and say you'd rather be bad just to keep a coach. Because if you're bad, you're not going to want to keep the coach. You want to have a situation where you're building something up and you're winning and you're in the NCAA tournament. So it might need more money or whatever the case may be to keep him. But nonetheless, they're in it. They're facing Texas A&M. They get that 7-10 matchup, and Penn State does legitimately get in. They didn't have to worry about the bubble. They almost win the tournament again. So I got to ask you this too, Joe. What do you think the Big Ten tournament run did for Penn State in terms of they got the 10? What did that do for them almost winning the Big Ten tournament? Prior to the tournament, most people thought they were still going to get in it maybe felt to me like a first four situation, but maybe they would get in. Maybe this would be the result anyway. Do you think the Big Ten tournament run did anything to change their fate? That's a good question. Um, as far as seeding goes, uh, I think if they lost to if they beat Illinois and lost to Northwestern, they probably would have been an 11 seed, not a 10 seed. Maybe playing in Dayton. Um, so really, uh, you're talking about a difference of like one seed spot. So yeah. I don't know if it would have it made a huge impact seeding wise. But as far as raising the profile of this program, I mean, they played two games on CBS with Jim Nance and Bill Raftery announcing that's that's not something that would have happened if they beat Illinois, got in and then lost to Northwestern on the Big Ten Network. So um, right. just being able to uh, hear about uh, packed bars in State College, uh, watching the games, uh having Jim Nance call a Penn State game, uh, which won't happen again um, this year unless they make the Final Four. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I definitely think that uh, Penn State, I think after beating Illinois, was playing with house money as far as the tournament went. But as far as raising exposure, especially yeah. winning the games uh, in the manner that they did, beating Indiana with that exciting uh, run at the end, which almost was a pretty embarrassing loss for Penn State. But then – almost beating Purdue um, after being down by 17 at the six minute mark on CBS in front of a national audience. So that's pretty good. And it got a lot of eyes on Penn state basketball before the tournament. And now maybe more people are going to be thinking about Penn state than they would have been. Yeah. Uh, Joe Smeltzer again of Nittany sports. Now the Penn state Nittany lions, they get in the NCAA tournament first ones in 2011, having won tournament games in 2001 and this is 11 actually oddly, I believe was the last time that Pitt, Penn state and West Virginia all made it in the same year. So Pitt, West Virginia and Penn state all make it in the same year. Again, Penn state has good luck. That means good luck for the rest of the region and for the network apparently. And we'll see because as we talked about with George, there is a chance of Pitt, Penn state meeting in this tournament, even though Pitt has to go through the first four, that would be something, and we'll see it. I'd imagine, again, where the elite leading just go. Obviously, there's more Pitt basketball fans than Penn State fans because they haven't been good for so long. But we'll see what happens if that is the game. Speaking on this matchup, though, before you get there, because no one's going to want to look ahead if you're on the program right now, Texas A&M, what do you know about them? What do you think this program's expecting out of that matchup? What, what goes into that matchup? Are they saying anything about that matchup? in terms of Penn State's prospect of actually winning a tournament game, the first since 2001, as insane as that sounds for any program to have it go that long. 
Yeah, Mike, um, admittedly, uh, between uh, just um, the craziness of the Big Ten championship <laughs> run and uh, right. finding out when Penn State was playing, where Penn State was playing, I haven't looked too deep into Texas A&M yet, um, and I'm going to um, in the days ahead. But uh, Penn State has the misfortune of running into one of the few teams in the country that's as hot as they are right now. Uh, Penn State won – Eight of its last 10, AM won 11 of its last 13. Uh, both teams got to the conference uh, championship games. Uh, obviously, Penn State <laughs> losing to Purdue, which we talked about. Uh, AM losing to Alabama, pair of one seeds there. Um, so, no shame in that. But um, yeah, I think uh, Penn State. I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say they got a bad draw, but I don't think it was an awful one. I think Penn State would have much rather been a ten seed than an eight or, an, or a nine because you get to avoid playing a one seed in the second round. So, and I don't know if Texas is the best two seed to play against because obviously Texas just beat um, the team that I think is going to win the national championship. Kansas just beat them by twenty points. So. Um, facing Texas wouldn't be ideal, uh, and I don't think A&M <laughs> is a good first-round matchup. I think that this is arguably the most intriguing matchup of the first round just because there's a lot there. Both teams are hot. Both teams haven't been in the tournament in a while. Penn State, obviously, in a dozen years. A&M hasn't been since 18. Um, you have two charismatic coaches uh, with Shrewsbury uh, and Buzz Williams. Shrewsbury's still building his yeah. nat national uh, profile. Uh, Buzz Williams is established um, and has won at multiple schools. I think uh, this is at least the second team he's gone to the tournament. I don't think he got Virginia Tech there when he was there. But, um, yeah, there's a lot to like about uh, this matchup. A&M's top two scores are smaller guys, um, which uh, – which is in Penn State's favor too. Uh, but Penn State, if they can shoot, they can beat just about anybody. So, but if they can't shoot, it could go the other <laughs> way. So, yeah, it, it could. And yeah, they're not doing any anyone any favors. Texas would be a rough, rough matchup to say the least. But Penn State, I think, has surprised a lot of people even getting to the Big Ten tournament final and then even securing themselves and getting in. No one would have thought this prior to the year and you are playing with house money, even getting there is a big deal for you as an individual, as a head coach, and what you did with this program that, again, didn't care much about basketball prior to you getting there and hadn't had success in a while. And then, of course, getting to this point, and, and, and we'll see. I mean, this isn't something that Penn State's used to. I'm going to bring back now our Jordan Michalowski of Pittsburgh Sports Now, who covers Pitt, and our Ethan Bach of WV Sports Now, who covers the Mountaineers. We now give a, a, a quad box here to recap this show and kind of put a bow on this show or sports now live reaction show of selection Sunday, all three teams throughout our major college networks and throughout our region here in the Pittsburgh sports region, make the NCAA tournament pit in the first four Mississippi state, West Virginia getting in against Maryland in eight, nine. And as I just talked with Joe Smeltzer, Penn state in that 10, seven against Texas A&M. So guys, I don't know if you had a chance to look at your brackets yet, obviously. I'm not going to admit to filling anything out right now because obviously the news was announced and then we, we jumped on this show. So I won't hold anybody to anything. And you kind of talked about, you know, the teams are covering and, and their prospects so far. But George, Joe, Ethan, whoever wants to jump in here, what are your thoughts on kind of where you're predicting the team you cover to go in terms of where they would advance Pitt, West Virginia and Penn State? And then how do you think the tournament is going to shake down? Do you have a Final Four prediction right now? Do you have a national champion prediction right now that Joe already kind of tipped off 
for himself. Do you have any hot take of this team is going to get to the Sweet 16 that nobody thinks is going to get there? I guess I'll start it off. Um, Pitt-wise, I think they'll do fine with Mississippi State. I think they'll get done, um, get the, that game over with, and move on to the first round. Um, Iowa State, obviously a toss-up. I haven't uh, you know, gotten too much into them yet, but I think Pitt will make it to that first round. Um, and then looking around the bracket, I really like Marquette uh, down in the East region. Um, obviously, Purdue all the way at the other side of that region from them. So they've got a while until they face that. But I like Marquette. Vermont's not going to be easy. But two against a 15, I like Marquette. Uh, Michigan State, USC, I, I think they can do it down there. Um, I also don't think people, probably for the first time in a while, are talking enough about Gonzaga. Um, you know, they've got UCLA, obviously, down there in the in the West region. Um, but UCLA a bit banged up, obviously. Um, and then, you know, they've got Kansas up in that region as well. Illinois, Arkansas, UConn, some good teams. So I don't know if they'll get to the Final Four. I don't know if I'd lock that in. But I think Gonzaga to the lead eight, sleeper pick um, a little bit there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I like Marquette. Um, but, you know, I, I think Houston comes out of uh, the Midwest region. I think – Maybe Miami makes a run. Maybe Indiana makes a run. But uh, I, th- I think Houston's just really good team. Texas is going to do well. I think Texas will end up knocking off Texas A&M after I think Texas A&M takes down Penn State. So um, that's just a, a first glance, first look at the bracket from my point yeah. of view. Yeah, and I do think that if Gonzaga gets to an Elite Eight, that – it's hard to say this when you're basically a borderline mid-major blue blood now, but that would be that would be an upset Cinderella story kind of thing like they did 20 years ago because no one's thinking they're going to do that this year. It's been a down year for Gonzaga. So that, that, would, that would make sense as a dark horse run, I, I think, even though it is Gonzaga. Ethan, you mentioned earlier in this season, I know, I don't know if we got it on a show, but you definitely turned me, turned, told me personally that you, at the time, were very high in Purdue. Just off the size they're bringing to the table, you then covered them against West Virginia, and the Mountaineers hung right with Purdue, probably feel like they should have won that game. Purdue's been exposed a little bit throughout the season. So, number one, are you still high on Purdue? Do you think Purdue is still going to do it because you were dropping Purdue in the Final Four earlier in the year? And then how do you see the tournament for you, do you agree with anything George said? Do you think George is off his rocker? And then how do you think the Mountaineers are going to do? They got a rivalry game to start things off. Then they got the number one overall seed. But these could be favorable matchups. And who knows beyond that? Or, or do they not even get out of this Maryland game? Well, first on Purdue, like, I still think they can make the Final Four. They're a Final Four quality team. I will take a step back. <laughs> okay. Just because they're they're freshman guard, like you have Zach Eady, obviously national player of the year. But when you look at when you look at their guards, their freshman guards, they're hitting that wall. They're they're hitting that end of the year freshman wall. Yeah. So, I mean, their their freshman guards need to take them as much as Eady does. But putting the Bach bomb back in his pocket. It's yeah, I'm putting it back in my pocket. <laughs> I still think they make the second weekend. Like they're they're okay. talented enough to make an elite eight run. Um, but as regards as the Matt Painter finally getting Purdue to a final four, I don't, I don't think this is the year yet, but if they make it like, then like credit to them, they earned in, it. In all reality, Purdue in the elite eight is a big deal for Purdue. I mean, yeah, it's not, yeah. I mean, come on now. It's not like every year they're trying for a final four. As far as West Virginia goes, I said round of 32. I think they, I think the Maryland matchup's great. Um, I, I would even, I even like the Alabama matchup as the number one overall seed, but. 
I think just between Brandon Miller and Mark Sears, there's too much, there's too much firepower for Bama. Um, and then as my, as my dark horse, I've got everybody, everybody's going to pick Charleston or Kent state, but I'm actually going to pick Iona as a 13 seed with Rick Pitino. Um, that's, yeah, they're yeah. really, they're a really good low major team out of the MAAC, but um, and then my national champion, I'm going Kansas. I'm going back-to-back Kansas champions. They're going to – I know – we all know how Kansas is, especially covering West Virginia. They're going to they're going to take the motivation of not winning the Big 12 tournament, and they're going to go and make a run. I was also going to say, though, as somebody who's been around and covered them for a while, we know how Kansas is. They either lose early and get upset, and it's one of the bigger upsets of the tournament, or they make a real strong run. Yeah, they're making the final four. I'm locking it in. Okay. I, I have them as my national champion, but I'm locking them into the final four. There's no way. It, plus, with Bill Self coming back from his illness. Yeah, they got a lot to play for. There's, there's, yeah. no, there's no way that it would be very un-Kansas-like to not win the Big 12 tournament and then not use that as motivation to go on a four, five, six-game run here. Yeah, they're very, very talented. They're almost more in love with their head coach now after what he just had to go through missing the West Virginia game, going through the conference tournament, but not coming up with the they're- trophy. And if, if he gets another national title or even a Final Four run, they said on a broadcast, I forget who it was a few games ago, in terms of Hall of Fame coaches, I feel like Bill Self doesn't get the respect that that everyone else kind of got throughout the same era that Roy Williams, Coach K, Jim Beheim, even Huggins without a national title. Bill Self's Hall of Famer, he got, got some rings. They're giving him respect, Izzo too, but not to that level. He gets another one. He gets a third. He gets another Final Four. He does it at Kansas. They could easily do it again next year. I mean, he could pull a dynasty off there. It's freaking Kansas as an historic program. Yeah, he's moving up. Most people's list of all-time ranks for head coaches, for sure, and this could be that legacy year. Their, their team's just built similar to last year. Yeah, Alan Wilson takes over Ochai Abaji, and then now they have K.J. Adams playing small at the five, like, and Grady Dix playing like Christian Brown. So they, they've just filled and replaced guys that they lost from last year, and they're and they're I, I still think they're the best team in the country, even losing to Texas last night. Yeah. Now, now Joe – Thoughts on the Penn State match? If you kind of already alluded to, you're also on the Kansas wagon here. Winning back-to-back is not easy in this day and age, but it's a little bit different of a roster, and they're still very, very good. So it could be Kansas again. That's not going to be any, anyone's Bach bomb here, but that that's a chalk pick, but it certainly could be Kansas. Probably most people are going to go Kansas. So is Kansas your national title pick? What are your thoughts on Penn State? And then kind of for the panel here after Joe's done, on if there's a team that – I'll let you guys think about it. If there's a team that – outside of teams that are going to make a dark horse run – is there a team that's that's in there that's going to be favored that has a solid seed line, but they're just they potentially are going to get upset and they you you think they're on upset watch? So so Joe, how do you think Penn State's going to do? And then what's your thoughts on on the whole bracket overall? Yeah, um, as far as Penn State goes, uh, you just have to kind of question how much you're going to have left, right? Um, it's an experienced team uh, that helps a lot, but. Playing, it's not just that they won three straight games in three consecutive days. It's how they won them. They weren't able to rest Jalen Pickett the last five minutes of the game or players like that. It just, they, there's games were just all very intense. And then even the one they lost today at Purdue was draining uh, with uh, that near comeback attempt. Uh, so um, the way AM's playing right now, um, I think uh, they're about as hot as anybody um, that isn't uh, in one of those uh, top seed lines. Uh, so, 
If I had to pick, I'd say A&M, but this is the type of matchup that could swing either way. And then uh, when you're a team like Penn State, a 10 seed, the Sweet 16 is kind of the ceiling you're thinking. Uh, like maybe like 10 seeds, the Lindsay's have gone to Elite Eights and Final Fours before, but you're not really thinking past the Sweet 16 as far as how far can this team go. Uh, so the best case scenario, I think, for Penn State is beating A&M and then Texas in the second round, which I don't see happening. And if I had the bet, I'd probably say A&M. As far as the whole tournament, uh, I'm going to say Kansas. Uh, and Ethan kind of hit the nail on the head. I think we all know what Kansas's resume was coming in. Um, I don't have the exact number of quad one wins off the top of my head, but it was absolutely I'm sure Ethan does for you, probably. <laughs> um, I think it was around 14. It's number one in the country. Yeah, I, I know that for a fact. And that's yeah. just insane. And I think they already were the best team in the country coming into the Big 12 tournament. But then you have the motivation of not just losing, but frankly, getting embarrassed in the Big 12 championship game. Plus, playing for Bill Self and everything he's gone through. Um, I I think Kansas, uh, Kansas is the pick. Um, it's hard to go back to back, but Kansas is the pick. And then kind of briefly uh, outlining the rest of my Final Four, um, I like Arizona to beat Bama in the Elite Eight. Uh, for some reason, Bama... When you're a one seed and you don't have like a big basketball reputation, that's kind of a red flag. I don't know if that's just like gut feeling, but it feels like when yeah. one seeds like Alabama kind of burst on the scene, um, they don't usually go too deep as far as the championship goes. And I have them making it to the second weekend, uh, but not making the final four. And then I have Houston, uh, not really much to explain there. Uh, Houston's just a great team with a great coach. And my hot take is I think Duke beats Purdue and then beats Marquette and makes it to the final four. Um, I, after last year, um, my mom's a Purdue grad. So uh, um, okay. I watched Purdue with a little extra interest. Uh, after last year, losing to St. Peter's in the Sweet 16, I swore I'd never trust Purdue again in March. And I think I talked <laughs> about this with Ethan, but um, so it's just never trusting them. And then they're, as good as Zach Eady is, I think he's the best player in the country. I don't like what they have around them. I really don't. They don't shoot the ball well. Uh, they don't do too well when Eady's away from the four. Uh, they have uh, trouble kind of closing out games in the regular season finale against Illinois. They led by 25 at the half and ended up almost losing that one. Game against Penn State up 17 with six to go, end up winning by two. Um, there's just red flags everywhere, and I think Duke is very hot. Um, very established, obviously established program. And I think they'll take down Marquette and then get to the final four. And then once the final four comes around, uh, Kansas is going to do its thing again. So, yeah. Yeah. So much for a, a George. I'm sure George knows this better than anybody. So much for Duke having a down year crying out loud, uh, <laughs> the down year, everyone's writing Duke off. Yeah. They went, yeah, they win the, the conference tournament. And then now everyone kind of does feel like they could make a run. It almost wouldn't be that surprising based on what we just saw from Duke. But if you look at the overall resume, it kind of would be. So, George, just is there a team that's in the field right now that has the body of work that the committee had to give them a favorable seed line, had to give them a top seed, but you just think there's just no way they're, they're going to make a run and they could even lose first weekend? Because it's going to happen to someone. It's March. That, that's why we're here. Right. It's going to happen to someone. I mean, I hate to say it, but – I watched Virginia lately. I don't know who's going to knock them off. I don't know if College of Charleston knocks off San Diego State, maybe pulls some magic over Tony Bennett, but I, I just don't see it with this year's Virginia squad. I mean, they're they're suffocating on defense. They play slow like always, but 
Um, you know, yeah. it's it just feels like those sort of teams are always kind of beatable. Like you can like we kind of talked about earlier with Mississippi State. If they only average Mississippi State only averages sixty five points a game. Like anyone can really get hot against a team like that. Um, you know, if you find holes in your defense or if you're Blake Hintz and you shoot from 35 feet beyond the arc, you know, there's uh, there's chances for you to take down teams like that. Virginia is always solid. I mean, I w- also wouldn't be surprised if they made a run. Um, but, you know, that's the first team that I saw in my bracket. Um, and then, I mean, Creighton, my sister goes to Creighton, but uh, I, I think NC State could take them down in the first uh, first round, 11 over the six. So, We'll see. Um, those two definitely stood out to me over on that side of the bracket, though. Ethan, do you have a uh, do you have a team like uh, is it Virginia too, or do you have a team like Virginia that you, you think is dangling out there that, that they're just not going to do it? I'm staying. I'm staying on the Big Twelve just off of first glance off the bracket. Um, it's just a team that popped out to me, and they deserve the seed. They've they're second. They're easily a second if best team in the Big Twelve, but. Uh, Texas, I I don't like I don't like their what they have around them. Okay. Um, I'll start off with Colgate winning 26 games as a 15 seed. I don't care how low they are as a seed. 26 games, that's you're a good team. Um, I don't think they'll lose to Colgate though. But I don't like Texas A&M got underseeded. They're more of a six or a five seed, um, and they were rolling at the end of the year. So. And say I even like the Penn State at ten. Like those are two teams that come in March with momentum, and I could definitely see Texas having a Big Twelve championship hangover and just kind of laying an egg like they did two years ago to Abilene Christian. And even yeah. if they got past the first weekend, you have Xavier's a three seed. Like, and that's they're one of the best offenses in the country with Soli Boom leading the way, but. I, I don't like – I think Texas is a great team. I'm not saying they're not Final Four worthy, but they're they're a team that just like, strikes out to me as a team that could be upset in first weekend. Yeah, we got a lot of love in the chat here for Colgate. A lot of people jumping on the Colgate bandwagon. And you saw Xavier, Ethan. You covered West Virginia against Xavier on the road earlier this year. That was a game West Virginia felt like they should have maybe won. But at that time, Xavier was struggling. They turned it around and got a three seed. And, yeah, just quickly looking at things, it, I mean, everyone wants to go to Kent State. It's hard for my eyes not to go there just because Indiana is that team that is doing the opposite of rolling. And it feels like they're very vulnerable if there's usually a 13-4, 12-5, one of those upsets that looks to be jumping out at me. Uh, and it does look like, the, despite Penn State rolling, it's it's rough to get Texas A&M. In terms of matchups, that, that's a, it's a real tough one. Joe, do you have a team like that that they mentioned that hasn't been mentioned here as we kind of close up the show? And then I'll, I'll, I'll let anyone say anything else they want to say here. But is there a team that you want to throw out there that – they got a favorable seed because they deserve it. Cause a lot of this is body of work and you just have to get it if you put the body of work together. But that's why like a team like Duke, they body of work wasn't that great earlier in the year, but they end up winning the conference tournament. They're making a run now and who knows where they could go. They can make a fun of four despite coach K retiring. But is there a team that you think is, is going to be vulnerable there? Are they on upset alert for you? Indiana, I think, is on high upset alert against Kent State. Yeah, um, yeah, I mentioned them. Yeah. I think if you're a four seed that has 11 losses, uh, that's that's a bit of a red flag. I think I'm not in the Big Ten is overrated crowd, but I think if there's anything that kind of points to the Big Ten maybe getting more love from the committee than it deserves because it's the Big Ten, I think Indiana is that team. Uh, there's definitely been great flashes of IU basketball this year. I like 
I think Mike Woodson's done a great job with that program overall, second straight tournament appearance. But um, obviously, Penn State beat them twice and looked pretty dominant against them both times. I know the score was only four points uh, in the Big Ten tournament, but Penn State was up by 15 on Indiana with less than two minutes left. So, um, But there's also been times where Indiana obviously beat Purdue twice, um, and that looks great on the resume. But uh, when you're a four seed that's uh, lost 11 games uh, and you're playing a 13 seed that's 28 and six, eh, you you could see uh, you could see something happen there, uh, and I think uh, Indiana Trace Jackson Davis is a great player, uh, but uh, when he's not on, the team's in trouble. So I think if Kent State can limit him and limit uh, what Indiana can do in the post, um, that's definitely uh, that's definitely a big upset watch, and I might I'll probably even pick that in my bracket. So yeah, and and I'll just throw out this. Um, I know Ethan mentioned Iona earlier. I mean. Connecticut is kind of like a Michigan state that when they get in and no one talked about them all year, maybe they could make some noise and they usually do, but that's probably a bad matchup. And Patino obviously knows how to win in advance and produce kind of a team to me that they could either go to a final four or they could even lose in the second game after getting through round one to Memphis, probably not Fort Atlantic, but who even freaking knows. So they, they do seem very vulnerable to potentially lose early if they don't go through it. And then as Ethan knows, Kentucky, They've done it before. They got to the final game when, when they had a really bad year a few years ago as a sixth seed with one of the better individual players in the country in terms of talent the last couple years and being hungry off of what happened last year. And a coach that's been there and done it before would not be shocked if they made a run as well. And it's relatively open of a road for them if they would win and advance. Anything else from the panel here, Joe, George, Ethan, the region gets all three of the major programs in the tournament first time since 2011. We'll see if any of them get victories or how many they get, but it's big for us as well as the region to even have this happen. You're all three going to be in attendance for these games. So I've covered a bunch of NCAA tournaments. Congrats. You're all going to be there. So that, that that's awesome for you. But uh, you want to drop a Bach bomb or if Joe or Ethan or, or if Joe or George can think of a name for whatever their hot takes could be uh, that as well, or any other final comments. Uh, I don't know if it's a hot take. I, I'm not too thrilled about Penn State playing at 9.55 and probably about a half hour <laughs> later than 9.55. All right. <laughs> yeah, Pitt, uh, Pitt playing one day after Selection Sunday is a uh, yeah. quick turnaround as well. I don't have any hot <laughs> takes, but Transfer Portal opens up in less than three hours. So True. completely other side of college basketball, but we're going to have a ton of recruiting news coming up. Michaelowski missile right there. Yeah, there you go. That's what it should it's be. Crazy. There you go. It's gonna get crazy in March Madness <laughs> and the portal. So be mm. ready. Ethan, have you been holding that in the holster there? I don't know if I've heard. Uh, Alan, <laughs> Alan actually created that. I'll give okay. Alan credit for that. Okay. Was that? I don't um, know if I've got, I caught wind of that. Was that a while ago? But that yeah, he, I, George. I guess you're not a fan of it because I haven't. You're not promoting. No, it. I, I like it. I like it. I, I've never heard that before. I think I saw it on a tweet once, but I don't okay. know. <laughs> All right. Anything else from anyone? Or I'm going to close. This I'll I'll just throw in my I'll throw my two cents. I'm glad West Virginia gets the kickoff against Maryland at noon. Um, good way to start the tournament. I I've said my hot take. I think Eric Stevenson yeah. becomes like the Doug Edder, or <laughs> he be, he becomes that storyline. If if he says anything crazy, he will be that national story. Yeah, good or bad. I mean, he's either going to have bad. a real hot game and and make a comment, or he he's going to get teed up and 
fight a ref. I mean, what, or, if he, or if he scores 30 <laughs> points, or if he scores right. a, on a 30 point performance, he'll be, he'll be that guy everybody latches on to. Right. And no matter what happens, Ethan and I know that we're going to receive an image that's going to be sent to us throughout every site that covers West Virginia. Uh, <laughs> Joe, uh, Joe, anything? Since uh, George and Ethan. Uh, that's, about, that's about all for me. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'll wrap, the, I'll wrap things up again. First time in over a decade getting these three major programs in. It is the NSA tournament. It is March. And if you didn't know, this is March. So the Sports Now Network will have coverage to pit, of course, going through the first four, but neighbor of Faber Road in that game and then beyond that game. Joe covering Penn State against Texas A&M. If any of you on the East Coast want to stay up for that game, obviously Penn State's red hot. Texas A&M is red hot. And who knows when Penn State will be back there again, or maybe winning will help impress the coach to stick around if you believe any of those rumors. And then Ethan will have the Mountaineers back in the NCAA tournament. So last year goes as an aberration. And Bob Huggins is back in the NCAA tournament after a year that it feels like it's been seven years. And uh, they've been on, off the bubble, on, off the bubble, on, off the bubble. Regardless, they're in. And then they got, they got a kind of a rival and then probably a lot of media attention on the opponent if they would get out of it. So it'll be an interesting run through March for Ethan to say the least, if West Virginia can secure a win. Nonetheless, though, that'll do it for our Sports Now live reaction shows. Our three programs at Pittsburgh Sports Now, Nittany Sports Now, and WV Sports Now do make the NCAA tournament one way or another. And again, this is March, so now enjoy the madness. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.